Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Plug. My name is Xavier Williams. Today, I have a very special guest, former football and basketball star at Langham Creek High School, former football star at Texas A&M Kingsville, and also an entrepreneur that he has his own barbershop, and he's doing big things. My boy, Devon Rhodes. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? Glad to be here. All right. Like I said, I appreciate you for joining the show. Today we'll talk about Last Dance, episode five and six. We'll also talk about my boy Devon's entrepreneurial journey uh, through the haircutting game. And also, of course, we'll have some Q&A part where you can ask Devon any questions and, and we'll, we'll go from there. So, of course, episode five and six. Um, if you watched The Last Dance, the first uh, this, this, this episode, uh, the first episode of the night, of course, you saw the little Kobe uh, excerpt. That's another reason why, of course, I'm wearing the Kobe jersey today. Uh, shout out to Kobe, of course. Rest in peace. Uh, how'd you feel Definitely. about that first that that first episode? I enjoyed it a lot, man. Um, you know, it's just kind of sad to uh, realize that Kobe's actually gone, but um, to realize, uh, you know, what he's done, what he has done, you know, and um, to hear Michael Jordan speak highly of him is, um, you know, only just shows what type of person he was, you know? I think it shows respect too on both parts because, you know, the media likes to make it seem like it's a feuding rivalry with, with any of these superstars that we have in all sports, uh, football, basketball, and baseball, but especially the Michael Jordan and Kobe comparison. Uh, they always wanted to make it seem like, Kobe wanted to be Jordan, but in reality, it seemed like Kobe wanted to defeat Jordan. It wasn't wanted to be him. He, he said, hey, I know your moves, but I also feel like because I know your moves, I can take you. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Kobe always had that Mamba mentality. They both have that 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 killer mentality. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think it was something special, you know, uh, for Kobe to kind of in my opinion, base his game off Michael Jordan, just kind of see his key shots, you know. Um, I just think, you know, it was just, it was special, you know. I think that whole era was special. Uh, I used to play in the Crazy Eights. That's all I'm kind of thinking about right now. I used to place <laughs> him up and think that I was Kobe. Yeah, sir. I used to have Adidas moon shoes. So mm -hmm. if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go ahead and check out Adidas. The Adidas moon shoes that had the all whites. Back in the day, so uh, yeah, I'm definitely you know throwback Kobe guy. Um, and then also too, like we saw in the documentary, you saw them talking at the All Star game on the East Side. They were talking about Kobe as a 19 year old. Mm -hmm. You know, like man, watch out for this guy because he go he coming at you. Mm -hmm. You know, as and again, this is these are guys that were in the league already for you know multiple years, of course, that are you know they're in the All Star game, and for Kobe to be the youngest guy to be in the in the All Star game at that time for him to be talked about at such a young age, mm -hmm. you know, by, by peers that were playing against him, I, I'm pretty sure that was, again, that was a very big eye-opener for people to see 20 years later. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, me thinking back in my high school days um, to be put my, shoe, put my shoes in Kobe's shoes, you know, I wouldn't even know if I'd be able to handle, you know, the 
type of publicity and the type of, um, you know, the type of uh, media scrutiny. Yeah, media scrutiny. Exactly. You know, I don't think I'd probably be able to handle that well. But uh, they both uh, they both were great examples. Great examples in their, um, you know, with their professions. Great, great examples on and off the court. I mean, you know, it's just once you reach a level of success, you know, you start being a role model to people, rather if that's something that you want or not. And I think that's one of the hardest things to do and to kind of put up with because you don't want to lead people down the wrong road, but you also want to be yourself, you know, and just not like, you know, you'll be doing something to lead people down the wrong road. People have different opinions about everything. So, you know, it's um, it was really inspiring to watch, you know, like I said, I only got internet at the house, so trying to catch it up and watch it here. No, it's know? all good. Don't worry about it. That's why I had to make sure you got caught up. You yeah. know, you watch it at the crib and whatnot. Make sure you got caught up and that's all that matters. And uh, like I said, just to see the dynamic of, of them two, like I said, Kobe and, and MJ, just to see how much they, again, admire each other and also just, are, you know, competitors, competitors off the yeah. court as well, um, as well as on the court. And as much as it was going on on the court, there was a lot of smack talk going on off the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know for sure Michael Wilbon talks about it a lot when it comes to, you know, he 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 always says that Kobe will tell him, "Hey, you know, what would you, what would your boy have done tonight? You know, I just put up 38. Yeah. What, what would your boy have done tonight?" And and from everybody that I hear from Michael Wilbon, Stephen A. Smith, you know, Kobe means it. You know, he don't he ain't just saying it just to say, you know, I, I want to be as good as him or that no, he means it because he wants y'all to know, like, hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I, I'm making my stamp on, on this game as well, too. And same thing with LeBron, you know, and this is the new generation that we have now with the, the LeBron era and whatnot. And and you know, if we go on to the next era as well, I, I I'm not for sure if it's gonna be Zion or not. Maybe Greek freak. Mm-hmm. We don't know, but Somebody next is going to have to come and take that throne, and it's going to be real interesting to see who is Good. going to be that next one. Do you have any anybody I'm a big in mind? I'm fan of Zion. I like watching Zion play. I like his character. I like you know. I like you know. Um, I like his respect. Whenever he took a break and then he started to come back, you know, he wasn't he wasn't as aggressive. He just he you know he played his part, you know. And I just think that right now he's with a good you know group of guys that can help develop him as a player. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do because the boy can really ball. No, I definitely agree. And, and, and again, in the documentary, I, I know unfortunately you haven't been able to watch one through four or whatnot. You did just watch five and six. But in the documentary, it, it, of course, it shows the evolution of basketball from the Bird and, Jor- uh, Bird and Magic era to the Jordan era mm-hmm. to, of course, you know, I guess you can, you know, you can say the Kobe era or whatnot, and then also to the Jordan era. And what I mean by that, of course, you know, athleticism mm-hmm. uh, with LeBron, sorry, with LeBron when it comes to athleticism. And if we look now, the same way we look back in 03 with LeBron and everybody was coming, everybody was talking about how he came in with just so much athleticism, so, you know, explosive for that size. Mm-hmm. We're pretty much saying the exact same thing for Zion. Mm-hmm. You know, Zion is a guy that looks like a football player. You know, if he does not look like a basketball player at all, but he is jumping out of the gym and he is, you know, doing things that a guy his size shouldn't do, shouldn't do. So, yes, he probably fits the type of I'm sorry, the the model of he is going to be the next one. But we just don't know yet. Of course, he have he has had minor injuries over the last year and, 
hopefully, of course, with this rest, with Corona, whatnot going on, hopefully he is recovering and he'll have, and he'll have a, a great season coming up. But I'm sorry, once we have in this season and then, of course, next season, hopefully he has, you know, a great season. But for Zion, I, I just hope everything can come together so we can see the full package. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think things are going to come together for Zion, no doubt. They have enough time. Everybody's on break right now. Can't nobody do nothing yeah. because of COVID nineteen. So it'll. Um, I think actually everything once this lockdown is uh, gone, I think everything is going to be a lot more intense. I think NBA is going to be a lot more intense. I think you know football is going to be a lot more intense. You know, once you put like a strain on something to where people can't do what they love for a while, they appreciate oh, yeah. the value. They appreciate. Oh yeah, being able to do it. And I think that, um, you know, I, I know I'm excited to see what's to come. No, I definitely agree with that when it comes to sports, when it comes to going out, when it comes to everything, you know, we're going to see people go hard, go mm-hmm. go real hard, and hopefully they don't go hard too much. But, no, I definitely agree when sports comes back, you know, it's going to be, you know, a rocking and rolling when it comes to ticket sales, TV, mm-hmm. you know, viewership and, and all that stuff. And, you know, let's just hope when it does come back, hopefully the corona doesn't go back up again. But anywho, um, also too to talk about, like I said, the last dance. Also, we saw a showing, uh, I'm sorry, an appearance from Chuck Charles Barkley was finally made an appearance or whatnot. Um, my boy Chuck uh, seems like seems like he's okay, he's okay. He's content with not winning a ring because he lost to probably the greatest player to ever play. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you, what is your take on how Charles? You know, and also not how you feel, but also watching him play. Watching Charles play, he played with a lot of heart. I had seen him jump back. Uh, I seen him, I think it was a play they had. He had uh, acted like he was going to run back down court, turns around, steals the ball, goes back up again. Mm-hmm. That really just came from, in my opinion, a lot of film, a lot of film watching to kind of know how they throw the ball in bounds. He had to watch film enough to understand that they do that as in regular rotation. So kind of just jumping in, following, watching, you know, watching film, he was able to uh, figure that out. But I think Charles Barkley really laid everything out. And it was just, you know, unfortunately he came up short, but he has to realize that um, he was playing against some, you know, some of the greatest players ever played, you know, and um, he is one of the greatest players ever played. And I think he understands that as well. If not, he wouldn't have gotten MVP. So. No, I definitely agree with that. And I think he, I, I know he definitely understood that he ran to some great players. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that year, I mean, he did win MVP mm-hmm. that year. And, and MJ was like, hey, that's fine and all, but I'm going to go win this, this this finals MVP. And of course, that is what he did. Um, I, and again, I think it just goes to show you the competition that was played because. You know, a lot of a lot of people say, "Hey, MJ didn't play in that good of an era." MJ, a lot of people say it, it was playing against a whole bunch of mailmen or you know, milk milk guys or whatnot that it wasn't even supposed to be out there. But if you look at the statistics now, it's actually technically more white people that play in the NBA now than they did back in the '80s and '90s. So you can throw that stat out there. But one of those things, or one of the things about playing in that era, it was, of course, a, a toughness era. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't bring the toughness, you weren't going to make it no matter how good of a shooter you was or no matter how many people you dunked over. If you didn't have some type of toughness and some type of heart, because like they talked about, um, not just with, of course, with the Suns, but also, of course, with the, with the, with the, uh, sorry, the Pistons and the Celtics, you weren't going to just drive in this lane and not get a foul. You were going to have to do something to make sure that Michael Jordan was unable to elevate 
so where he was not able to beat you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. I, just watching it, just you know, brings. I'd be thinking, of, you know, back whenever I had played in high school, but um, it was nothing compared to the magnitude that they took everything. You know, this is the world that we're talking about. So, uh, you know, just just watching it, you know, uh, it's actually kind of inspiring, you know, just to, to, to see, you know, uh, to see players make it to that level and just really, from what I've been kind of noticing is the stress that you actually deal with, mm-hmm. you know, and I just think dealing with that kind of stress is different, you know, but uh, I feel like that all of them that they're talking about, Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan, you know, Scottie Pippen, they all handled their business, you know, well, and they did the best that they could to not uh, have their off-the-court affect their on-the-court, if that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense because, well, I mean, we, we could talk about the gambling. We'll, we'll talk, we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit. But, no, I definitely agree when it comes to there were things off the court that was going on mm-hmm. that definitely could have messed up the dynasty from, you know, Ryman's rendezvous with Carmen Electra and all that good stuff to the mental issues that Scottie Pippen was probably going through with his family and whatnot. And also, of course, Michael with his situation with his father and all that good stuff. There was a lot of things that were going on that definitely could have messed it up, not just inside with Jerry Krause and whatnot, the GM, but also outside that, unfortunately, you you can't deal with. I'm sorry, you can't control. I'm sorry. And and things that happen that are out of your control that you just have to deal with mm-hmm. uh, as a player. And then also, of course, they always say pressure makes makes pipes burst or they makes diamonds. So Absolutely. what we did see with the 90s Bulls is it turned into diamonds with all the pressure that was that was put up upon them. But we also, of course, saw the the, the beginning of the end of the Bulls mm-hmm. because after this this these six rings, unfortunately, the Bulls haven't really done anything too much. They've won from last stat that I've heard, they've won five playoff series since the last since the last championship ring that they've won with the Bulls. Mm-hmm. So just think about that. Since 1998 to 2020 that we are now, they've only won five playoff series. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that just goes to show you that does it take an organization like Jerry Cross has talked about in the last four episodes? Yes. But at the end of the day, the players are the ones that one win the championship, and two, the fans come to see. You fans don't come to see Jerry Krause sit on the side and eat his popcorn. Mm-hmm. They come to watch Michael. They come to watch Eric Jordan. They come to watch Scotty, and they come to watch uh, uh, Dennis Rodman. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot. It was a lot of egos going on in there, and, and and unfortunately, that was the demise of the Bulls when it comes to. Just again, just the egos. I, I, I think Jerry Krause was one of those guys that never really got the recognition since he was since he was a young kid. So he felt like, man, I, I finally on this pedestal. I'm finally on the throne where I'm finally gonna get recognition, mm-hmm. and I'm still not getting the recognition. Yeah. You know, I, I just that's just what I saw from him. That he didn't get his recognition. Well, it was kind of again. It's kind of like that. You know, you seen you seen it. Back in the day, where if, if a guy doesn't get picked, I'm gonna take my ball and go home. Mm-hmm. You know, or if I don't, if I don't, you know, score, if I don't get the ball this game, you know, because y'all want to pass to me, I'm gonna take my ball and go home. You know, he he seemed like one of those type of guys where if I don't get my way, I'm a, I'm gonna make sure I do what I need to do to get my way. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, 
for me. I think that's kind of selfish. But uh, at the end of the day, to each his own. I mean, you know, I think uh, one part that I've learned playing high school is that you definitely have to know your role. I think understanding your role, understanding who you are, understanding the down and distance, um, that plays a big part into championship teams, you know, and I think that plays a big part in uh, life as well. But, you know, it's just as far as related to sports and, and to basketball, you know, I wasn't the best scorer, you know, I wasn't the best dribbler, you know, um, I had speed, I could rebound, and, um, you know, I could play defense. We had other scorers, you know, we had, uh, we had other shooters. And uh, me understanding, you know, my position um, was, you know, it, it helped us in the long run. I mean, it's great that you bring that up. I mean, it's pretty much, yes, the 90 Bulls, you know, same, you know, Dennis Rodman, he came in knowing that I can score, I can't do the other things, but for this team, I, I need to rebound. Yeah. You know, it's just knowing your role, same thing with the Warriors of this generation. Mm -hmm. You know, Draymond, you know, I know he's somebody that gets picked on all the time by different writers and all that stuff like that. But is he the greatest basketball player? Probably not. Is he a top 50 player? Probably not. But what he does for the Warriors, he fits in perfectly because he do the dirty work and he makes sure that Steph and Clay are able to get those extra shots that are needed to make sure that they win the game. Absolutely. And Absolutely. and and that's that's what it's about, about certain team sports, you know, and, and you know, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get into that a little bit. We've both been on teams that. We probably feel like well, this one team has more talent than the other, but that one team that didn't have as uh, as much talent, they probably went further along mm -hmm. because they were able to play together as a team. They put aside their ego, they put aside what you know what was best for them for what was yeah. best for the team. Absolutely, and that's how you make championship teams. Understanding, you know, that you may not be the best score. You can score, but you may not be the best score. So, add value somewhere else where we need you. You know, so. I completely agree. You know, it's about sports with me, in my opinion, it taught me a lot about life. Um, and like I said, you know, for championship teams and stuff, you have to understand, you know, you just have to understand your game and you have to understand what you bring to the table and not feel any type of way of not being the top scorer and not feeling any type of way of not being the best dribbler, but to understand that you have something else that you can offer. And um, using that and selling that to your best advantage can really take you to the championship if you, you know, you stick with it. So. And also probably further along in life mm -hmm. than you would expect it because, and I, and I, let's just be real. I think when you're a younger person, I don't think you really understand I guess sometimes what a what a coach or a older figure is trying to help you know you do as in put you in a position to succeed mm -hmm. if that's what that old person is trying to do. So, like you said, you might feel like you're a better scorer than A, B, or C, but if we put you in this position, we can we can we can make sure that the team gets better because you are helping us out rebound, and we might not need you to shoot now, but when we do need you to shoot, we need you to make the shot exactly. So I think with that, it's, it's all about being able to be that coach that is able to make sure that you know what you're what you're doing without having to get on you or, you know, because a lot of let's just be real, a lot of us at a young age, we kind of clam up if somebody yells at you or mm -hmm. somebody does what, you know, certain things. So you have to 
figure out, okay, is this person trying to get on me or are they trying to teach me? Mm-hmm. And again, just speaking of Draymond, I just you know, spoke about Draymond. Um, uh, Mark is a whatnot when it comes to the basketball coach at Michigan State. That's one thing that he does as well is he's somebody that's able to get on his players. But everybody that comes out of Michigan State talks highly on him when it comes to being a father figure or being somebody to look mm-hmm. up to because of he knows how to connect with players. Mm-hmm. That's why he's able to get his recruits. That's why he's able to win, you know, a couple of national championships. And that's why he's able to be the coach that he's, that he's is until the, to this day because he's coaching more than just X's and O's. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's mostly has to do with honesty with a lot of coaches. Um, I've been coached by a lot of coaches and um, the ones that stand out the most were the ones that respected me as a player. And I think that um, those were the best coaches, you know, because um, they knew how to respect. There was a respect barrier, you know, and it wasn't, you know, he'll get on you. But you also have to understand that when people are getting on you, it's a blessing. It's when people aren't getting on you when you have to realize that you could be the problem. You know? Yes, sir. So, um when your coaches is getting on you, you have to understand that it's sometimes out of love, whether if it's a little profanity in there or what it is, you know, you have to understand that it's a business and you have to understand that being in your feelings aren't going to take you too much, too, you know, too far. You have to understand that you have to find that grit inside of you to understand that this man is telling me right and I need to apply it either to the field or to my, to the field or your daily life, regardless mm-hmm. on what it is. It's uh, it's information that could be of value, and if you're too ignorant to understand that that uh, that he's trying to help you, then sports may not be the best bet for you. You know, so uh, that's just my take on it. Like I said, I'm not you know a sports analysis. I haven't not the greatest basketball player or football player, but one thing I do understand is that um, in order to be a great leader, in order to be a person that's um, you know looked at as um, you know, to be a teacher, you, a teacher was once a student, mm-hmm. and you must understand that you, you know, you have to, you know, you must have to learn something before you can teach it, or you have to learn something before you can, you know, move on to that next level. So, no, I definitely agree, and everything that you stated is is a hundred percent because it doesn't matter if you're somebody that played in the NFL and and made it to the or made it to the Hall of Fame, or if you're somebody that played high school football. Some of those intangibles that you hear about on everyday basis are still the same thing, and great thing with any sport football basketball baseball no matter what sport it is is that it teaches you teaches you these life lessons that you are able to carry on for the rest of your life and like you say you can give back and, and you can be able to put it into your daily regimen and apply it to your day to make sure that you are a successful person in life mm-hmm. uh, because with, with sports and you know we'll also get again to your background of playing football and basketball starting off is that it teaches you those that discipline when it comes mm-hmm. to working hard and, and 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 again being disciplined to your craft and and making sure you do the right things so you are able to do what you want to do. But once you get away from that and you get lost into the, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. you kind of get lost in the shuffle of things. Yeah, you get lost. You know, of course, if you're not focused, you're not gonna perform you're not going to you know you're not going to do what you need to do so absolutely you have to stay on top and you have to be focused on what it is that you're trying to do you know but that also has to go with your goals long-term and short-term goals you know depending on what you got going on um you know staying true to them and um executing 
that's the biggest thing is just executing, making sure that you uh, uh, you taking care of your business. No, I definitely agree. And uh, we'll get back into your uh, little ba- your background right quick. So high school, you want to explain to everybody right quick what, what you did in high school? Uh, in high school, I played uh, basketball and I played football. Uh, I wasn't uh, consistent with uh, football throughout my high school career. I, um, I had a hard to play basketball. Uh, I had great coaches for both. Um, they both uh, wanted me to stick to one, but um, I felt like that was just a little bit selfish of them to do that. I feel like if you're an athlete, um, I feel like playing multiple sports, you work different muscles, and you also challenge yourself because for me, I wasn't the best one on either one, but I was a competitor, and that's what always kept me in the game. That's what always kept me um, – that's what always kept me wanting to compete is because I would I knew I wasn't the best, but I knew that, you know, I had some some game to bring to the table, you know. So, um, you know, uh high school, um, you know, uh football, uh we were stopped short, I wanna say, uh my senior year, my junior year, um, I only played a few games. Uh, but, but for basketball, um, we went, uh, I want to say it was two games before state, you know, we lost against Lakeview Centennial at Baylor. It was a tough, uh, it was a tough game, but, um, I had, uh, I can honestly say I had played my heart out that game and, um, you know, just, uh, some of the life lessons that I've learned with it is that, you know, people going to love you when you look, when you win them, but you just got to make sure you love yourself through it all because once you lose, you know, um, uh, they're not going to remember third or fourth place. You know, they're only going to remember first place. But uh, for the most part, um, you know, um, choosing a coach is like choosing a uh, a leader. You know, it's like choosing like a new dad. You know, um, I think that is important and it's vital that you choose the right coaches and you kind of look and see what their morals and their values are because you can be setting yourself up for failure not knowing what their intentions is, you know, what their intentions are. Um, I've been around all types of coaches. Um, I mean, it's crazy. Some of the best ones I've had were in high school. But, um, you know, uh, one thing that I do stress, you know, some coaches that I know now, really all coaches that I know now is, you know, like I was telling you earlier, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's only – Thus far, there's only two people that I've taken a knee in front of, and that's in front of God, and that's in front of my football coach. So that's just got to let you know the magnitude and the um, the uh, the power that, you know, coaches have over athletes is that, you know, after practice, after they done put out blood, sweat, and tears on this field, they go and take a knee to you. You need to have something positive, and you need to have something, you know, that these young men can take with them along with their journey. Besides, you know, trying to fill your pocketbook up with, you know, money or, you know, trying to make sure you have all these wins, you know, it's a lot deeper than that whenever it comes to sports. And um, I just think that uh, choosing your coach has, you know, you know, it has a lot to do. It's going to have a lot to do with your success, to be honest with you. It's going to have a lot to do with your success. So, you know, getting to know your coaches, staying in those after times, that will help you. So just my, you know, my take on, you know, on it.
I definitely agree. And I, and I think another thing you're also speaking on as well is your transition from high school to college, mm -hmm. making sure that you pick the right coaches and also not just coach right school for you as well going into college. Because unfortunately, and we've seen it all the time in college sports, just because the coaches are there doesn't the, for that year that's recruiting you doesn't mean that they're going to be there next year. Absolutely. So, you know, we'll, let's talk about your college journey going to Texas A&M Kingsville. What made you decide to go there? I went to Texas A&I, honestly. Um, they had won the – it was a three-way championship tie between Midwestern State, West Texas, and Texas A&I, Texas A&M Kingsville. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I had visited uh, Midwestern State. Uh, Midwestern was a pretty good football uh, program. Um, but the, uh, the academics that they had there, just I didn't think that I would want to go that route. Then again, you know, I'm still 17 years old trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. That's also a lot of pressure because at the end of the day, all I knew was sports. You know, I would go to school and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, most of my energy, most of my e efforts was, uh, you know, into playing ball. So um, I chose Kingsville because um, it was an engineering school. But not only that, it made my father happy. <laughs> and, um, you know, I went ahead and uh, I went there. Um, I learned a lot being at Kingsville. Um, you know, it's a great university. I felt like, um, you know, um, when I first got there, the program had on a, uh, had on, uh, it was a great, uh, we had a great leader, Coach Atterbury. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was a man of his word and he was very honest with you. And, uh, I remember sitting in his office and he told me, he was like, Bone, you're not a every down defensive end, but, um, you know, we're going to, uh, you keep working, you know, and, uh, you know, you'll see some playing time. And uh, in the back of my head was, you know, you, you got me, you got me messed up. You gonna see me out here. You know? But uh, I just kept balling. Um, and uh, he ended up having to leave. Uh, I'm not sure why. And our defensive coordinator became uh, our head coach. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think the dynamics of the team at the time with Coach Atterbury, was the head coach, um, the program was out of balance. Um, the defensive coordinator was also my D-line coach. And um, his role at the time when Coach Atterbury was there was to really dig deep down and see where these players were coming from, you know, see what was wrong with their problems, almost like a friend to call on, you know, if mm -hmm. you ever need anything, you know, if Coach Atterbury is going too hard on you, okay, well, look, you know, we can sit here and we can talk about it. So whenever you put a, um, you know, a genuine person like that as a leader and you start to listen to them, you start to realize some players don't know the difference between a friendship and respecting somebody as a coach. And I feel like that had a lot to do, um, you know, there was a lot of that going on, you know, a lot of like friendships instead of respecting him as your coach. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was a lot that was going on. You know, athletic director, he wasn't um, um, – he wasn't um, the best role model. I don't want to get too much into that, but um, it ended up uh, making our program not look as good going into the later years of my collegiate uh, career. So um, I had gotten hurt, um, and uh, for the first time in my life, I had to sit down and realize, you know, what it is that I wanted to do. You know, I was just like, you know, um, he actually pulled me in his office. He said that if I didn't uh, – uh, this was actually, I want to say I was a sophomore. He said, if I didn't pass, you know, one of my classes, I'd have to go back to Houston. And I was just like, you know, that's not something that, um, 
that's not something that I can do. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go back to the house and, you know, have my old man ask me why I'm pulling up right exactly. now. Exactly. You know? So, um, you know, I got my stuff together. I ended up passing my classes. And, um, you know, um, when it was my time to shine, uh, you know, I was hurt. Like I said, I was hurt. Well, this is what happened. Like, you know, I had put in a lot of work. I was trying my best to see the field. You know, my coach would tell me I'd get in. I wouldn't be getting in. This is just a life lesson that I've learned through myself and through my business as well. Um, it was hard for me to uh, be around a coach that would tell me that I'd be getting in and I wouldn't be getting in. I'd be playing. I'd be starting. I wouldn't start that week. I would tell my my father. I'd tell my mother. I'd be going out and playing. I'd be doing this and doing that. And then, you know, when they come out there, I won't be playing. So it made me look like a liar. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I ended up getting hurt. And then that next season, I didn't play. I played the following season. During that following season, we had a lot of movement in in our staff. Um, It wasn't consistent. Um, You know, things were just kind of, you know, go with the flowish. And uh, I had lost, you know, my passion for being great. I lost my passion for putting in extra work. So um, I have my focus in elsewhere and um you know uh, my number was called whenever i was a senior and i was not ready and uh, i'll never forget that game because i had a wide open tackle i came from another cross other side of the field wide open tackle um i didn't wrap up i thought i hit him hard enough for him to run out of bounds but he just so just so he was he just somehow stayed in bounds it got like a maybe extra five or ten yards mm-hmm. And uh, since I was in Jordan on the team and you making a play like that, it didn't, you didn't build too much trust in your teammates. You didn't build too much trust, you know, in your, um, in my coaches and stuff. And, um, you know, I had to, it was a wake up call for me to, you know, realize that regardless of what you go through, you always need to be ready when your number is called, regardless on like, you know, what's going on in your life or, you know, you may not be, um, you know, you may not be reaching to the next level like you think you are, or, you know, you may be failing all the time. Making sure you're ready, consistent grind, keep getting after it, you know, it's going to always prepare you for, you know, what's to come. So, you know, more of the story is, you know, regardless of what you're going through, you need to make sure that you're ready, you know, uh, when your number is called. And, um, you know, I just think that's a lot – that's a lot – that's a lesson, like I said, that's a lesson I learned in football, and that's a lesson that I've learned – you know, outside uh, in life is that you, um, you know, you have to be ready whenever your number is called. I mean, you know, even if you're not, you need to make something happen. <laughs> I think the saying is, of course, always be ready instead of having to get ready. Absolutely. Yeah. So, always be ready instead of having to get ready. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So, and that's one thing my uncle, uh, shout out to Uncle Greg, played for the Cowboys back in the day. It's one thing he always told me. Number is, 43, man. Mm-hmm. Shout out to him. It's one thing he always told me is to, you know, make sure I stay ready because at any point in time, anybody that want to, you know, work you out, if they want to work you out on the, in front of your yard, are you ready? Mm-hmm. You know, are you ready to go put in? You know, if somebody gave you an opportunity for, for basketball, football, no matter what it was, would you be ready to perform at any given time? Mm-hmm. And that's the, you know, the guidance that I had. I was, was lucky enough to have to be able to know that, yeah, I need to be ready at 21, 22, 23, just in case anything was to pop up, no matter if it was overseas or if it was arena football, no, no matter what it was. I, I definitely agree with that statement. Yes, um, also, too, I just want to get on because, of course, you know, you played college uh, sports. Of course, we have this pay-for-play coming up 
next year um they're going to be i know the i know the headlines read that all college students are going to be getting paid next year but that is not true all that all everything that came up all that stated was just pretty much that they are going to take it into a vote next year Mm -hmm. so with that being said do you feel like college students should get paid for their talents while they're either playing football, basketball, baseball? I absolutely agree. And the only reason why I do is just because of the mental stress that you put yourself as a uh, collegiate athlete. You know, you're up at 4 o'clock in the morning getting ready uh, for practice by 5, 5.30. Um, at the time, I had a job, and I went to engineering school as well. So um, having to be up that early – getting out of practice, getting ready to go to work, shoot straight to work, work from like 11 to uh, 11 to 2, get off. Uh, I'd have weights at 3. Uh, I'd have football meetings uh, at uh, at 4. Uh, I'd have special meetings, special team meetings at 5. I'd have engineering class from 6 o'clock p.m. to about uh, 9 o'clock p.m. Um, if we don't have anything going on that day, if we have a team meeting, it may be around like 10 o'clock. Uh, you know, we're in for 30 minutes, and after that, you know, we're going, um, you know, we're going straight to, uh, you know, we're going straight to bed. But, you know, putting in those kind of hours, um, you know, and um, having to stress to feed yourself as well is, you know, a different type of stress while you're a collegiate athlete. Now, what about those people that like to say, well, you're going to college for free on scholarship mm-hmm. and everything is taken care of through scholarship? Why do we need to, why do you feel like you need to get compensated for something that is taken care of for free? Because it's, it's sometimes it's above that. You know, you're asking some, you're asking athletes to not only sacrifice their body, you know, but they're sacrificing, you know, their time and their mental health as well. I think being uh, actually from the profession that I'm in dealing with, you know, grown men, um, you deal with a lot of men that's, uh, the mental health is not there all the way. So I know as far as just being in football or just being in that kind of environment, um, you know, not performing on the football field, you know, can, uh, you know, can provide, you know, can be a stress, you know, getting hurt or, you know, um, not doing too well. You know, you, you're getting hurt in football, your coach is upset with you, but you're struggling in class as well. You know, and then not only that you're struggling in the class, you probably don't have no food to eat that night. You know, it all kind of just adds up. And, you know, I know um, whenever I was in school, I went to Division Two, Texas A&M Kingsville Division Two. I wasn't on full scholarship. Um, I had to, you know, I had to work. You know, I had to, you know, I had to work. But um, if I was getting a little money from the schoolhouse, it wouldn't stress me. It wouldn't have stressed me out so much about staying off campus, you know, um, I could have stayed on campus, um, but uh, staying on campus um, and then not staying on campus, when I stayed on campus, I had a roommate that didn't play football. So his living was different from my living. Mm -hmm. That's actually, I remember this conversation with my head coach, Coach Atterbury, you know, I was dealing with different walks of life. You know, Mm -hmm. I came up from, you know, my mother used to clean every day. Um, You know, it was more clean. So whenever I got to college and I stayed in the dorms, 
you know, he didn't live the same way. You know, he left. It's funny you said that because I had the same conversation uh, recently when it comes to that transition from high school to college. And also when I was in the military, we can go from, you know, you, you're transitioning with grown people that don't do the same things that you used to yeah. do, come to cleaning or eating or, you know, working out or doing what it is. So you have to kind of adjust. Mm -hmm. And like you say, you have to adjust kind of the hard way because if you was in a, a room with other athletes, you probably, who knows, you, you know, y'all wake up on the same time. You have mm -hmm. the buddy schedule to where y'all doing everything on the same time, same schedule mm -hmm. to where it probably wouldn't have bothered you as much. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have bothered me as much if he was an athlete and we were getting up and, you know, getting after it at the same time. Mm -hmm. But to come back at the room, you know, around four or five o'clock and just see like, or like even later at night, um, you know, and just see like stuff everywhere, the room smelling like stuff, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the most, um, comfortable thing for me so I ended up talking to my uh I ended up talking to my head coach actually I ended up talking to my head coach he actually roomed me with uh, another defensive end named uh Ricky Marshall mm. um shout out to Ricky yeah shout out to Ricky uh to be honest with you he had um he's the one who actually taught me how to cut hair okay he had uh we moved uh to the UV I want to say I think it's another name for him now and um you know we started cutting there and um, it actually turned out to be, uh, you know, a huge blessing. Um, you know, we got, you know, we our room had gotten so busy. Uh, you know, the uh, the I guess the I guess the people who made the uh, the dorms or whatever kind of told us that we couldn't be operating a business inside of a business or something like that. So we had to put up donation jars mm -hmm. and show people that we were taking donations and that we weren't actually charging people mm -hmm. because if we were will be constructing a business inside of a business. So that's that's actually kind of like pushed us to kind of go get, you know. Uh, be official and be go official, get your own business yeah, or whatnot. And, you know, get off campus because being on campus, you know, that's all, you know, that's what I did, you know, as a side hustle, I would cut hair. But I mean, also too, that also goes to show you that college is a business within itself. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me as a, as a young broke kid, you're trying to make extra money in the building that you're in but you can't do it because the building that you're in won't allow you because you have to, of course, pretty much pay them so mm -hmm. you can get money. That's pretty much what it is. It's pretty much what yeah, it was. Yeah, so it was, it was, it had gotten to a point to where we would have the actual locals from Kingsville. They weren't just students. They were locals that would, you know, they, they valued a, a quality haircut. So, you know, they would come in, you know, or come up to the room, um, you know, and, you know, being at a small school, you know, like Kingsville, you kind of can tell who's going to more so be a college student than who's not going to be a college student. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of locals coming in and, um, you know, it was just, it just got really busy, but, you know, uh, little things like that kind of always stuck with me. Like, I was just like, man, like, you know, if we were able to get the attention of, you know, the people that's, you know, running this place, then, you know, we might be able to do something by myself, you know? And, and the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, unfortunately in college, when it comes to paying the athlete, or I'm sorry, paying student athletes and whatnot, a lot of people don't want to do it because they have that preconceived notion that, you know, these players are getting paid, they, you know, ride around cars, that, you know, you guys are taken care of, blase, 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 blase. But unfortunately, that's not necessarily the case. And even when you do go out and try to, make a little extra money or just do this or that, it, it seems like it's always some type of blocking that you can't even make sure that you're taking care of comp compensated 
you know, for the for the talent you're bringing in. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is, of course, as an, as an athlete, when you come and play the sport that you're playing for the for that school, you're making money for that school. Mm-hmm. As a student, last time I checked, going to a school, you're not you're not making that school money, of course, unless you are coming in with student loans and, and grants and all. That. So that's that's a different subject for a different day. But I'm talking about a football team that's coming in that's not getting paid, that's making a profit of $100 million off the football team, that, that's kind of a problem mm-hmm. because when the students that are not playing sports, when they're able to go and play eSports and make make money off of that or be able to sell their, their, their new mask that they made for the coronavirus or they're able to sell foods and whatnot out of their dorm, that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. But apparently student athletes can't get paid are taken or at least taken care of mm-hmm. to make sure that they are taken care of to make sure that the the, the university can make even more money. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's very interesting when it comes to the you know this the college realm nowadays. It's going to change. Mm-hmm. It's it's changing. Absolutely. It's changed right before our eyes. It's going to keep on changing sooner or later. These colleges are going to have to pay to pay these student athletes, and like I said, with the likeness and uh, all that stuff coming out next year, they are going to try to block that as well. But these states will—Texas, Florida, California, New York—they're going to find a way to fight fight it. And again, that's going to be a part of recruiting as well that we will see really, really soon. Mm-hmm. I so mean, you could just sit there and you know, I only watched uh, five and six episode of uh, you know the Last Dance, mm-hmm. but you know, just taking into account, you know, watching some of the stuff that Kobe went through, leaving high school, going straight to, um, you know, straight to the NBA, um, you know, uh, just dealing with some of the stuff that he he was dealing with in high school, with, you know, all the publicity, you know, being a major athlete, you're going to have people follow you everywhere, especially whenever you feel like, you know, you have the, uh, you have a, you know, especially when you know you have a gift um, and people can see the gift on you and, um, you know, your your people are holding you to a higher standard. They're gonna they're gonna expect more of mm-hmm. you. But and at the end of the day, all you like to do is play ball. Mm-hmm. You know, so now you have that stress of going out here, keeping your mouth shut, not saying anything because you don't want people to take your words and twist them around. Yep. And then next thing you know, you're looked at as like the bad guy or just completely doing something that you like to do. That's you know fun in general. You know, um, people are gonna always gonna have something to say about what you're doing. People can always twist things around so they can make money off of it. Um, you know, I just think that uh, I just think that you know the stress level you know that comes with being a collegiate athlete. Uh, I'd even try to reach down to even some high schools, not all high schools, but I wouldn't even say high school. Mostly just collegiate. A lot of collegiate athletes, you know, they go through you know a lot of uh, back pain, a lot of you know physical pain with their body. And uh, I just feel like, you know, they should definitely be compensated for that because, you know, um, at the end of the day, we're not doctors. We're not, you know, we're not, you know, they, they're they not doctors. So that if something did go wrong with their body that was actually vital, they probably wouldn't know themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got somebody that played last year that got a concussion one game, not know that they had a concussion. Head just hurts really bad, but, you know, they love the team, they love the sport, and they're still going out there giving it their all, you know, that's somebody playing with their life, you know, and they're not going to get compensated. If anything happens, they'll probably just go to a trainer, you know, and after that, if you're hurt, you know, you could 
potentially be cut, you know, potentially have to go back home. And then now you're at home, no degree, and only have like a concussionist. And, you know, if you were granted the privilege to get a, uh, uh, if you were granted the privilege to get a scholarship, then, you know, you don't have any student loans. But you didn't. Now you're stuck at home with student loans. Mm -hmm. You know, you stuck with all that stuff. And now you've also created more stress, you know. Now you have to figure out what he's going to do with his life mm -hmm. or what she's going to do with her mm -hmm. life. And, you know, it's just it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, it's a real vicious cycle. Vicious cycle. So. And that also transmission transitions me into your business, because mm -hmm. I, I think that's also another reason why you, I think you with, with the financial independence that you were able to have cutting hair mm -hmm. and being able to make the money that you were able to make cutting hair. I think you kind of saw as a young person growing into a man that like, man, if I'm able, I have a skill. Mm -hmm. I'm honing in on my skill mm -hmm. and I'm learning that this skill allows me to be able to get financially compensated. Mm -hmm. And once I'm getting financially compensated, it allows me to be able to freely move any, the way that I want to move financially. Mm -hmm. Because once you're able to get out of debt, you have a profit of, you know, whatever your profit is and, and, and every month you're profiting, you're able to move around a lot differently when it comes to business. Yeah, absolutely. And if if you want to speak on, you know, how you created your business and well, I started my I started cutting hair really, like I said in college. Um, to be honest, I was tired of uh, you know doing all sorts of other things to make money. I just decided to. Um, I had a roommate named Ricky. He uh, he was clean. You know, he was really nice with the clicker with the clickers, and. Um, I think I had got my first refund check and I had bought my clippers and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to learn how to do it. You know, I was the worst, you know, anybody that went to Texas A&M Kingsville in between the years of 2010 and 2014 will tell you I was probably the worst barber, <laughs> but uh, I stuck with it. And, um, you know, I didn't do it to try to be the best barber at the time. I, I love the craft, but one thing that I loved about doing it is that I was able to make my own money. Mm -hmm. And I taught myself something that I could be myself you know, by myself, you know. What's the I saying? Like, you, you you know, you get a man a fish, they can eat for yeah, a day, teach him, him to fish, they can live for a feed lifetime. Him, feed himself for a lifetime, exactly. absolutely. So that's what I um that's what I ran with and uh it's just been a blessing, man. Like, you know, being able to cut hair in general and not only that, just have people that like it, you know. Uh it's like it's one of the best feelings of the world to um to perform a service and uh, people appreciate, you know, quality people appreciate, you know, you giving them a haircut, you'll be surprised. Um, I remember um, a few times I had given out some haircuts and, um, you know, it, it changed their swagger, you know, it changed, it changed their confidence level. And that's really why I continue to do it because whenever you start to do stuff for money, your your drive and your passion goes out pretty fast. But whenever you do stuff out of the kindness of your heart and you see the difference that it can make in people is what's going to make you reach levels that you didn't think that you can make. And that's honestly why I think I'm able to cut, you know, still cut till this day, you know, and be able to pay, you know, my bills and be able to pay, you know, for, um, uh, you know, some of my utilities and stuff like that. And, you know, my, 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 my bill, you know, make a living, you know, mm -hmm. that's how I'm able to make a living. So, um, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely not easy at first. Like I said, Ricky Marshall was the king at, in, in Kingsville, you know, he, uh, he cut everybody, he got everybody sharp. I mean, if you was walking around, you know, it was one of his cuts, but 
you know, uh, people always tell you that I was in the shadows and um, you was a protege. Yeah, I was a protege. <laughs> but, uh, I stuck with it, you know, and that's one of the things that I try to tell people now. It doesn't matter, you know, how far you feel like you're behind in life. You could be 40, 50 years old and want to start a rapping career. Nobody can tell you that you can't yeah, do it yourself, you know. And I just think that, um, you know, you should also, you know, push yourself beyond your limits, you know, surround yourself with people that are encouraging and, um, you know, that are actually want to see you succeed and want to see you succeed, but also trying to grow their business. Yes, sir. You know, I've also known, you know, ex all, you know, we go back from in high school, all you talked about was sports. So once I found out you were doing this, I just knew like, yeah, he found his passion. I wanted to be here to support. I need to support everything starts to come together but you know the hardest thing about everything is just starting just starting is pretty much the hardest thing and then once you start it there is no going back you stick with it you know you keep going you know and you know you just never know where it can take you be positive about everything everything's not going to be easy i can't even sit here and stress to you how many lineups i've pushed back how many <laughs> fades i probably messed up but at the end of the day i love what i do and um you know, I just feel like, you know, I'm not in it for the money. I love it. You know, I love to get people fresh. But at the end of the day, you have to also, you know, know your value as well. And, um, you know, everything's a growing process. But, you know, biggest thing, you know, I can, you know, I could probably just say, you know, is just to, you know, remain focused, but just to have fun and, um, you know, just have fun while you're doing it. You know, don't uh, don't look at it like a job or Look, you know, look at it as like, you know, this is my gift to the world and, you know, I'm here to share. No, I definitely agree. And, and best believe this is definitely not a job for me. I love being able to present what I am, what I'm doing to you guys out here in, in the interweb and all that good stuff. And I definitely appreciate Devon for being on the show and whatnot. And, and like Devon said, I mean, I'm, if you know me, especially from way back, you know, this is what I do. I do sports and all that good stuff. And for Devon to be on here to, to tell his story, that's a testament on himself too, because as black men too, we don't really have an opportunity to talk about our lives and our feelings and stuff because we don't want to, let's be real. We, don't, we looked at as weak. weak absolutely. Okay. So with that being said, the reason why I started what I'm starting is because of it allows not just me to hear sports stories from all my friends and, and people that I know, but also to release, mm-hmm. you know, cause I know, I know, my black friends have a lot of built up things inside of them that they probably want to release. And it is good for them for people to talk about whatever they want to talk about. And, you know, again, that's another reason why I started this because I just, I just love hearing you guys story from you, Mackie, J Mike, uh, other people we ha- we will have on, on, on the show uh, in these next couple of weeks. I just love hearing from all you guys, different perspectives, uh, different points of views and then also seeing the transition from because we all we all know as athletes that we're not a, able to play this game our whole life it is what it is and what it what it all these athletes show you from Michael to Kobe to LeBron is that after you get done you have to set yourself up for success to be able to be successful off the court or off the field and everybody doesn't have millions of dollars to make moves like a LeBron and put his boys on and make them millionaires and all that stuff like that. But what you can do is you can be successful individually. And then once you're successful individually, you have other individuals come along and understand the ultimate goal. And that's to help everyone out to become successful in whatever their craft is. Absolutely. So 
I just want to wrap everything up. Like I, said, I, I, I honestly, this is probably one of the better interviews that I've had when it comes to just sitting down and just talking, Devon. I, I really, I really appreciate you for being on the show today and just yes, getting out what you need Glad to get out. Man. And and I'm gonna let you guys know that's that's tuning in today. He will be back on. We will have more for football season and whatnot, and we'll talk some more. Um, but like I said, as of today, I, I appreciate everything for, for today. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Yeah, uh, shout out to all the uh, the viewers that's tuning in right now. And also, uh, shout out to Ricky as well. Shout out to your boy Ricky. And uh, like I said, we'll see you guys next week. I appreciate everything. Shout out to Devon Rose. And uh, see you guys next time. Thank you guys for tuning in. So, appreciate you, man.